it was an entire two years of dealing with what I would say is politics and being a young African-American inner city kid being recruited by a bunch of, I guess you can say, individuals that don't understand the culture. It looks good on film, right? It looks good on film. And I have a strong personality, not a disrespectful personality, but it's very strong. So as it looks good on film, you don't understand it and uh, you don't understand me or my culture. So you have no idea of how to deal with it. So now, instead of you trying to get to know me and understand what's going on, you turn me into a villain. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. Eric, this guy right here, Deontay, this is my guy. I went to St. Ed's together, got that back, what is that, Oh three. Man, mm. it's been that long. It's 2022. Ooh. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, three. Four. What have you been four? Oh, three, oh, four. L four. Oh, four. Oh, four. So, yeah, it was good times right there. Coming in, playing football, basketball together, and eventually, really, like I was saying, building the foundation to where St. Ed's ended up winning the state championship after we graduated in 2010. But we kind of helped build that foundation. Deontay went on to Go to Iowa. As I signed in Ohio State, he went to Iowa, played there for two years, did very well, but decided, you know, he wanted another opportunity. Ended up going over to Toledo with our guy, Coach Beckman. At the time, Coach Beckman actually recruited me to Ohio State. and Recruited both of us. They recruited both of us, but the thing yeah. was, as soon as I signed, like I think maybe two or three weeks later, he gave me a call. It's like, hey, Nate, I just want to let you know I took the Oklahoma State job as a D coordinator. So he was my guy. <laughs> he ended up leaving. So well, hold on, stop there for a second. When that happens, <laughs> there's two stories in there. One is you're going to Ohio State and he's going to Iowa. It's like, is that on the same day? Like, are you guys going to announce it or, or did you ever talk about playing together? Oh, well, so National Signing Day, yeah. Nate was an earlier commit and I took a couple of my visits and, and finally made that decision. But National Signing Day, yeah. Well, actually, I still got some of those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> oh, on signing day. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that thing together, man. Were you guys playing both sides of the ball at St. Ed's? Yeah. I mean, I played more on the offense just because, you know, Tay, that guy's wild, man. That was my dude right there. He he had come downhill. He had hit you. <laughs> he started off <laughs> at receiver. And uh, at the time, St. Ed's, which they still do, we run the ball about 30 times a game. And Tay was like, you know what? I'm getting sick and tired of blocking for Nate and blocking for Frank. So I'm about to go play defense. And that's kind of... <laughs> that's exactly how that went. That's Literally, exactly that's what happened. I came in as a two-way guy. My freshman year, we had Nate, who was probably 180, 185-pound freshman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, of course, 185-pound freshman at however tall he was, 6'1", 6, six, you know, 5'11". That's a big guy. Right. So, I mean, it made sense to place. And this was the air raid thing wasn't really a big thing. So and we were a smash mouth team at that time. 
and I felt like I was a prolific receiver, which I was. I may have gotten four or five deep bars a game, and that's all they threw me. I was I just woke up one day like, well, and and this probably was after my freshman and sophomore year, but I mean, I woke up one day during the varsity during my junior year, was like, yeah, I ain't doing this no more. I ain't going over there. I just told my coach, my guy, Coach Larkart, when we, you know, during two days when we would have our focus, offense, defense. It was offensive day, and they're like, hey, Marl, come over here. I'm just like, man, I ain't going over there. I ain't about to stand over there and block. I'd rather just, I'd rather tackle one of y'all than sit over here and block all day. And that's how that went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1,000% accurate story. Man. So I did my returning, my special team deal, and, uh, you know, I, I was a full-time defensive player. I wasn't about to go over there and block. Mm-hmm. Tackling is funner and is way better than blocking. So I'm good. Yeah. So then, Nate, you're talking about you're ready to go to Ohio State, and the guy that's recruiting you, he's not there. Like, where were you in the process? Like, what you'd mentioned it before, but that's a story, and you hear that a lot. I mean, I heard a story recently of some guy losing an offer, or as soon as they get there, they make a coaching change. I mean, stuff's crazy, and you just don't think that that stuff can happen, but it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. It definitely happens all the time. Well, I had already signed, and he called me like two or three weeks later, and like, hey, just want to let you know, I took the defensive coordinator job at Oklahoma State, but what people don't realize is a few months before even signing, we were on, at least me and Deontay and another of one of our teammates, we were considering looking at University of North Carolina when Coach Davis was down there. And when Coach Davis was there, yeah, yeah. At that point, that's what kind of feels like, hey, you know, if we go to North Carolina, it'd be dope. You know, we can play together, X, Y, Z. Even though I had already committed to Ohio State, but regardless, being able to play with your boys, it's a little bit different. So <laughs> I guess the word sure. got around that I was thinking about taking an official visit over to UNC. And man, I got a call, Coach Beckman, and basically cussed me out ish, ish, I would say. And I was like, dang, it's kind of messed up. In Beckman's fashion. Yeah, in Coach Beckman's fashion. It was his way of showing that he, it was his yeah. way of showing love, for sure. So it was yeah, a little like, bit like talking sense into you, like, don't take this too far. It was talking sense. <laughs> and then it was like, how dare you? Oh, say you about to take this official visit to UNC, and I was like, "Yeah, you're right, man." So I signed, oh. and then three weeks later, he <laughs> he's <I> was, gone. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, yeah. man!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you that know, we understand uh, the game, it's different now because we understand a, the game. Yeah, and kudos to the changes that the younger generations, the guys that are playing now, have forced NCAA to make. Because when we were entering, we didn't have any options. There was no portal. I was a guy that transferred and I had to sit out the entire year. And I transferred for specific reasons. I was one of those guys that was involved in that whole Iowa ordeal with the strength and conditioning coach. So, you know, kudos to them, man. They get to live their life and, and be free as they want to be. Whereas the only people that could do it back when we were in college and high school was the coaches. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so they were the only guys that considered it, you know, were considered to be eligible to make a move because it was a business venture for them, mm-hmm. as if it wasn't one for us. But now, you know, they have free reign, man. So kudos to them. I'm glad we as collegiate athletes are getting our just due respect. Yeah. I want people to see this because I can see you talking and explaining that story. I could see players having bitterness today to saying, we should have had that, right? And here's the person out here, an individual that did transfer. 
And you did have to sit out a year. And now you see, like, I heard there's 6,500 players, right? And not in college football, but in all of division one, all of sports that are in the transfer portal. And it was over 10,000, I think, in the offseason, like this summer. That's wild. And that could lead to a lot of bitterness to think, man, that should have been the way it's been all along, right? But I don't see that with what you're talking. I mean, of, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure. But I mean, I'm not a bitter guy, one, because for me, I did my research. and. My second option was better than my first option. You know what I mean? One of those deals, it's a better situation for me. And for me at that time, and I'm still a competitor, I just wanted my fair shot. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I got it at my first school. And when I got to the University of Toledo, I had a fair shot. And if I provided a fair shot, I'll show you who I am Mm -hmm. and what I bring to the table. That's all I wanted. Yeah. And that, you know, the first at Iowa, I didn't feel like I got that. When I got to Toledo, I for sure got it. And I for sure had the chance. And I was blessed to be able to showcase my abilities. I had my opportunities to do what I wanted to do in college football. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, Tay, most people don't know is that as Tay was considering transferring Toledo, I called him up like, hey, we're heading up there with you, you know? So we had that whole conversation. But I think it boiled down to, I redshirted my freshman year where Tay was a true freshman. And so that year that he was sitting out, I don't think it it counted against him, but it really didn't count against him. So it made more sense for him to do it. But now that the rules has changed, it would have made it easier. Oh, for sure. It would have been an easy transition, Mm -hmm. man. It would have been an easy transition. Yeah. Just backstory. I played my freshman year. I played eight or nine games my freshman year. I played my sophomore year. So my first two years there, I, I actually got a decent amount of playing time, but that my first year, I got a decent amount of playing time as a freshman. Should I have gotten more? Could I have gotten more if I felt like I was actually provided a fair shot? Yes. Of course, anybody's going to say that, but my second year was kind of when I started to see what people quote unquote, see the politics of college football. And that's where the best player doesn't always play. And Nate knows me, man. I'm a competitor and I'm big on respect and earning my spot. And I don't necessarily like want anybody to give it to me. I I literally go in there and take what I want when it comes to being competing with a teammate or whatever the case may be. I'm that type of competitor. So when I got to actually see firsthand the political aspect of collegiate football, I was a fan of it. And I felt like I had to make a change. Yeah. And then there were some other things that went well, into it after that. But, yeah. You know, there's something there because you referenced it with the strength and conditioning coach. And this story got brought up again, right, last year with this coach. And so that obviously brings everything back up, which goes back more than 10 years, 10, 15 years that this had been going sure. on, right? Probably longer than that. Yeah. Because there were guys before me that, I have stories to tell, so for sure. Yeah, so this shows like a 20... I even found an article here. This goes 22 years. This article that was written in June 8th, 2020, where it outlines your story on ESPN and what you were dealing with. And I don't know if you were able or want to talk about all that because think about... Like, we're talking about transferring, sitting out years. I mean, there's reasons beyond the football field, right? Yeah, for sure. I don't mind getting into it. I'll kind of paraphrase a little bit, but there was a scenario to where I was under the weather and, you know, I guess I was in a workout. I got a little dizzy. I was told to sit out by a trainer for whatever reason, I guess 
he wasn't a fan of what was going on. And he came over there with other players and and, this, and pretty much decided to kind of belittle me, not as a football player that he was coaching. You know, I don't mind being coach. I come from an era of if you're coaching me, you can mother F me. But he wanted to belittle me as a man, as a young man, as a young black man. Growing up in the inner city of Cleveland, made a couple comments that if he wasn't my coach or if I was a stranger and said those words to me somewhere outside of the football facility, we would have had an issue. So he made some comments. We went back and forth and I then got suspended, obviously. And I got suspended uh, from the weight room and I had to do all this intervention and meet with coaches, so on and so forth. And they pretty much took his side. If you go on ESPN and check out my article, you'll see the minute details of it to where I had to meet with four coaches, all separate meetings, instead of meeting with these guys together and sitting down and kind of finding a solution to the issue. But pretty much the head coach, who's currently the head coach, told me, like, hey, I don't care what he said to you. You owe this guy an apology. You know, and I said, well, coach, I wasn't raised that way. You guys always say we need to act like young, mature adults. And if I'm following what you're saying, I can't let this individual speak to me in that manner. Not with the racist comments he made. No, that's not okay. So I'm going to confront him on that. We can agree to disagree and we can move forward. But yeah, I'm not apologizing for what I said. I had to go in there, meet with him privately. Him meaning the strength conditioning coach at that time. And, you know, he still had that same energy. Now, I know I had to meet with the coach a day, so I met with my recruiting coach, my position coach, the head coach. So that's three days afterwards. I go in there after meeting with the head coach, and he still got that same energy. And for me, I'm all about that type of action. But that wasn't really what I came in there for because, in my mind, that wasn't what the situation needed. I had a goal that I wanted to get to. My goal, obviously, was to get to the NFL. And I wanted to make amends and make sure that we were on the same page. That wasn't his idea. He was still on it. He provided the same energy, the same comments. You know, MF, you owe me an apology. I don't care what I said. You don't say anything like that to me. Who are you? You know, the whole night. And I just stood up because my first reaction would have been to not so well. So I took a deep breath. I stood up. I said, hey, coach. I see this one going, this meeting isn't going anywhere. I stuck my hand out. I said, thanks for what you, you did for me. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a hell of a strength and conditioning coach when it comes to getting you prepared, physically prepared. But the level of disrespect that I've seen him do to others and then try to do to me, unacceptable from anybody. I stood up, stuck my hand out, wanted him to shake my hand. He stood up, looked me up and down. Looked at my hand, brushed it off, sat down. You know, I left it as that. So that was that. And I haven't stepped foot in there in years. Yeah. That's happened to, to multiple student athletes at that school. I know that for a fact because when I've seen it done to teammates and then it's happened to me, you know, there's been no real, I guess, we have, he's taking the blame. But again, if you know college sports, any college sport, there's one guy, there's a guy that allows all of this to go to go on, and it's the head coach, who's the main corporate, if you ask me. But 
That's neither here nor there. We'll move on from that. Yeah. Legendary coaches, they call it too, right? Been there for a long time. The system, right? And what do you do with that? Like, we see this happen at other places in different situations. The system, man, like it's so big and like you don't penetrate it. And if you do, it's so hard to win because there's so much surrounding it. Yeah, the system is so, it's so in depth. And it, at the end of the day, and like I said, I'm glad that everything is transpired with the student athletes now because back then we were used as a winning tool. We were just a tool that you can replace. Hey, hey you don't want to act right? I'll get another hammer. This hammer's broken. Doesn't want to act right. I'll get another hammer. So that's kind of sort of what we did back then. And it probably still goes on now, but now as student athletes, we have the power to say, hey, I need to make a change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they said, you know, I'm going to make a change. Nate is like, obviously you guys grew up, your best friends. I don't know, are you communicating at this point? Are you talking with him during this time? Or like, I see you over here, like listening to this and hearing what all is going on, man. It's affecting you as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as all this stuff was going down, I kind of already knew. And like I said, during this time, this is when me and Deontay were talking. He was basically explaining the situation over there. And then honestly, it got to the point where, and I don't want to misspeak from the coaches, but from my understanding of the situation, they were calling back and talking to coaches that we knew in high school and telling them like, Deontay is not doing X, Y, and Z or Deontay is that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, a lot of that. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on. So I would get calls from my former coaches and mentors like, hey, man, listen, there's something going on up there, something wrong, because, you know, the person that they're describing is not you, but they're saying this is, you know, you're providing attitude. They say you're a poison to the team. Now, I didn't get that information. I wasn't receiving that information. Coaches hadn't talked to me about it, but this is the feedback that they were giving or the excuse that they were giving my coaches when they would come and recruit other players that knew of me or that were familiar with me, especially in my neighborhood at all high school, which was St. Anne's. So they would then, you know, that was their excuse. Oh, he's a poison, you know, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. They would point out the bad attributes or so quote unquote bad attributes that I really didn't have that they were just pointing them out. Yeah, it was definitely a situation, that's for sure. And that's why... Yeah, as an 18, 19-year-old young man living on his own for the first time from the inner city, already dealing with a culture shock mm-hmm. and being that the majority of Iowa is primarily Caucasian or rural. It's a different environment. It was just a different experience, man. That Of course, it helped me in the terms of life and understanding how to deal with individuals. But it was probably one of my most, when we talk about like mental health and everything, how important that is, that was probably, even though I was at a big university, I was all of this, all of this stuff that people would, you know, like to think it was like, that probably was my most unhappy time of my life. Hmm. When it's supposed to be like the time of your life playing collegiate football at a high level, right? Yeah, and it had nothing to do with, like, I never got in trouble, any legal trouble. Now, I wasn't a 4.0 student, but my grades weren't, they weren't terrible. Of course, as a competitor, anything you do can always be better. So, of course, my grades could have been better. But I was not anywhere close to being academically ineligible or anything of that nature. So, when I would get the feedback 
from my mentors and people that I know, they would be telling me these things. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know where you get this information from, but it's definitely not true. Yeah. You know, and to them, it's like, well, why would they tell me this information if it's not true? It's a good question. That's something you got to ask yourself. Do you know me to be that person? Yeah. I think that's why it's so important now that the players have more control as far as, you know, being able to transfer and do those kind of things. So I know at least what I recognize is when Tay actually transferred to Kalita, it was like the old Tay was back, if that makes sense. Like he was able to be the person that we always knew. He wasn't as stressed out. I mean, obviously you have stress when it comes to football and school, but he was actually able just to go out there and play the game and just be happy. And the head coach at the time, I believe, when he transferred over there, was actually Coach Beckman. So the same person. That oh, yeah, that's my guy. Yep. It yeah. became fun again, man. It, it became fun again. So, yeah, Beckman brought me over. He had got the head job. It's funny. The funniest part about that is when I actually went on my visit, the first question that came up was, what happened? Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that he had got some type of insight. And I explained the entire story because it wasn't just that one incident. It was a whole, it was an entire two years of dealing with what I would say is politics and being a young African-American inner city kid being recruited by a bunch of, I guess you can say, individuals that don't understand the culture. It looks good on film, right? It looks good on film. And I have a strong personality, not a disrespectful personality, but it's very strong. So as it looks good on film, you don't understand it and uh, you don't understand me or my culture. So you have no idea of how to deal with it. So now, instead of you trying to get to know me and understand what's going on, you turn me into a villain. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't everybody. It wasn't the entire staff. I have nothing but love for my position coach who was Phil Parker, who's now the defensive coordinator. He was an awesome guy. Taught me a lot of great things. Taught me a lot of football, which helped me when I got to the University of Toledo. When I got to the University of Toledo, my preparation was, I was ahead of the game. I was like a student coach. Yeah. Nate, you're over there. You had there's the system, right? Ohio State had a lot of these system things going on. And again, this is all before the time where transfers and NIL. It, it, it goes on everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, it goes it on goes everywhere. everywhere. I think everywhere. But Iowa was a different place. Yeah, like, it for sure. It, it for sure was a special place because of, because of the dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. And when I say dynamic, I mean, there was very little diversity. So my freshman year, that was one black coach. My sophomore year, like actual coach. And then there was one black admin. Then my sophomore year, I'm pretty sure they brought somebody in to do some other admin work, maybe like, I don't know, whatever it was. But he is now a position coach, Coach Woods, Lamar Woods. Uh, he was a former player. had brought him in like my sophomore year. He was like a, maybe assistant coach or something like that, whatever they call it. He was transitioning from playing in the NFL to get into coaching. So you're talking about one to however many coaches on staff. That was the ratio. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, not one, but yeah, it was one time how many coaches you have on staff. So it wasn't the diversity. It wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So pretty much what one thought, majority of them thought, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. they had to go along with it. Yeah. You go to Iowa. I mean, you obviously had opportunities. That's big time college football. 
you end up there, you leave, right? So you do what's best. And, and it's like Nate had said, you got to a place where you became who you are, right? Do you regret ending up at Iowa? Or, and you had talked about this before, or do you think like to go through that helped you become who you are today? I mean, that's a common question we get with people who go through difficult times. Obviously, you would never want someone to go through something like that. But at the same time, it did happen. Like, how are you looking at it today? Are you, you know, take that how you want. You know what? I don't think, well, one, I mean, it's tough to regret it. At that time, I felt like I made the best mm-hmm. choice for me at that time. It made sense. Like, like I said, I played as a true freshman. So in my mind, before stepping on the football field, just on my recruiting visit, watching guys practice and things of that nature, I'm looking at these guys in my position. And my mindset is, I mean, my teammate, 10 times better than these guys right now and we're only in high school and knowing the competition that we've played against over the last two and a half years it's like oh i can do this and now you know the head coach had a the world-renowned guy in the nfl he's going to get guys in the nfl so it made sense he was the biggest name head coach with the best path to where i wanted the ultimate goal which is the nfl he had a household name that was you know, when it comes to sending guys to the NFL, whether it was drafted or free agency, they still have a name. They're not always the top, but you always see guys getting drafted or guys getting picked up becoming eight, 10 year veterans in the NFL. And a lot of that has to do with that system that we're talking about. Uh, but you're, if you're an individual that they don't understand and you ask questions that doesn't necessarily go with the system at that time, you were an outcast or you were a rebel. And that was me. I mean, honestly, I was fine with it because I'm going to, you're not going to tell me, Hey, run into that wall. And I'm not going to say, well, do you know what's behind the wall? What's in the wall? You know, what's on the other side? And I know I can get through the wall. I just need to prepare myself. Is it two pit bulls on the other hand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man gotta know what you run into man that's wild when you saw his name pop up and he got hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars last year strength coach that's wild I just laughed I laughed and I said and my first comment it made was he won't last a month and they was like wow I said well he can't talk and treat those guys that get paid more than him you can't do that to a real grown. You now, I mean, we were young men transitioning to be grown. Men. Another grown man is not going to let you talk to them in that manner. Uh-huh. Not at all. That just wasn't going to happen because they have more power at that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, not even about, just, it's not even I'm about just being grown. Yeah. yeah, you know, you take out the money, you take out the money, you take out the yeah. titles. At the end of the day, like we're all humans, right? This has nothing to do with gender either. You take out name, power, title, all that. We're humans. If you mean to tell me that you're going to sit up here and talk to another human, adult human, and that matter has kids as well, has a family, and you're going to sit up there and belittle and disrespect them, and they say, hey, okay, you got it. That's not going to happen. Man, that's wild. Yeah, they just, there's that. In those systems, there's so much power, and they just own it, right? They don't want to give it up with anything. It's wild though, man, because I come here and you wouldn't know, even if you just come across this person on Twitter, 
he's out here quoting Tolstoy. You know what I mean? Like, and then you see some people like in the comments, fake as a mannequin, you know? So I'm glad that some people recognize it, but a lot of other people, I don't know if it's like a con man or something like that. It's just wild. Man, listen, they, they put on great faces. They put on great faces. And that's why I stress do research. Not like what's in the papers, but talk to them. Now, any student athlete that's being recruited in any situation, talk to the players. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to anybody else. Talk 100%. To the you have to talk to the players because they, they know. the players. They know. You players know. will tell you yeah. everything you need to know. Every single thing you need to know. I mean, because on your official visit, you're meeting with the coaches, you're shaking their hands, you're seeing the facilities, you're doing all that stuff. And they might introduce you to the starter who's an All-American, who's this, who's that. Yeah, go talk to that second string or third string. Go talk to that walk-on. Figure out crazy, what they yeah. actually really are saying, how they really the are. The crazy part about it, the whole scenario is I was such a terrible poison to the team, but I hosted 80% of the top recruits. And we had some guys. Mm-hmm. I hosted Mark Ingram. I hosted, he was, this was one of my young guys, a guy by the name of DJ Woods, who went mm-hmm. on, who did not go to Iowa, ended up going to Cincinnati, mm-hmm. had an awesome career in Cincinnati. And this is a quote. I said, hey, they asked me one week because I had them like four weeks in a row, or maybe two or three weeks, whatever. I said, hey, I don't want to host this week. I got a phone. I got somebody coming into town. I prefer not to. And I said no. And they looked at me as if I had spit on them. What do you mean? No. They told like, Coach, I want to have a free weekend. That's cool with you. Free weekend? I'm like, well, listen, that's cool. Are you, I'm not hosting this weekend. Yeah. Like I said, it was multiple scenarios that kind of probably put a dog taste in a mouth or whatever, but I deserve one free weekend, right? It was a different game in Iowa. I will say that. For sure, man. For sure. Because all my visits down to Ohio State, man, I was <laughs> I felt right at home. <laughs> it was definitely different in Iowa. I will say that. But, but again, granted, I had a lot of my boys there from the city and from the school, so yeah. it was all love, but definitely felt like home, yeah. for sure. Was it different, Nate, going to Iowa and playing at Iowa? I would say Iowa is just a different stadium. I mean, Tate can speak in a little bit more, too, but like the fans are like, the best way to compare it is almost like in high school, we played Cincinnati Elder, where the fans were like right behind you. In high school, you could hear everything. Iowa is the same way. Mm. The fans are literally crowded behind the bench. They're talking to you. And then even if <laughs> the, the locker rooms are pink, like, <laughs> Like there is no, I've played in the Big Ten and in the back. And during that, we've played at a, a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Number one place to play, Kinnick Stadium. There's no, no place. I don't know about number one. Maybe that's, that's his choice. I'll do the comparison. Because Happy Valley was, it was crazy too. I will say that. Happy Valley, it was crazy. Happy Valley also had an extra. 25,000 people. Kinnick Stadium at the time, I think, was 75, 80. Mm. It sounded like it was no, I mean, we'd get off the bus, pull up in front of the stadium, the bus would shake. Mm. It was no stadium that got louder than I've played at. Even the shoe. I love the shoe. When we're talking pound for pound, 
the shoe gets loud, but not always. Yeah. So it has to yeah. be a special game. Yeah, it was like that night game, right? The Notre Dame game gets it. Yeah, so you stay in the shoe, that don't bother me. We all know. Yeah, so, but yeah, that, I mean, Iowa's loud every game. It's every game thing. Now, if you're University of Iowa student or football player, because we're just a football player, you are the NFL team. There's no other team to go play mm-hmm. or go see outside of the school on the other side. One of my, my guys is the head coach up there now, up north. You know, we don't really mention those guys. I'm, I'm still a Hawkeye at heart, so we won't mention those guys up there. He's doing a hell of a job. Those Iowa State guys? I can mention it. You, you ain't going to mention it. You yeah, won't mention yeah, it. I can mention it. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm, what, 10 years removed? I'm not taking a snap, so I'm good, but I won't mention those guys. The same way I, I don't mention those other people that plan B West Side School. Oh, the, the school across the street from Wendy's? Yeah, that was the school across the street. From, I call it the plan B school. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't make it to the first option, you got the secondary option over there. <laughs> and if you did not know what we were talking about, Eric, that was St. Ignatius. Okay. You had actually mentioned them in the last episode. Because we were talking about Tommy Eichenberg. Eichenberg, he's been balling. My man's been out here. He has, rolling. He's been, he has he's been balling. So we'll, we'll mention it then, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's stay on defense then, because we're looking at like, Iowa's defense been nasty, right? Ohio State's defense has not been, but this year, there's something different. They're flying around. So Nate's just like, he comes on here and he's talking to me. He's just a happy man. He's just like watching Ohio State play defense again. This is what he was here for. So you've been watching your, you know, Iowa play defense and as a defender yourself, like that's what you tune in for, right? Like you want to see some hitting. Yeah, for sure. I'm more of a technical guy. I like to see the whole umbrella in the secondary. I like to see how guys move and disguising techniques, plan, things of that nature. So hitting is, of course, it's always. Yeah, of course. So when you watch it and you're like, you tuning in, you're watching Ohio State, maybe you want to see Nate's alma mater, see what they're up to. And you're watching this last few years because they're putting guys in the NFL and these guys are playing well. Pete Warner, right? Baron Brown. I mean, these guys are like, man, they're doing just fine starting in the NFL. And you're watching these last few years and it's like that Oregon game last year, for example, like you're talking about what's happening on the defense. I mean, they're just handing the ball off and they're walking in the end zone. Like, what do you see as that? Is it just so obvious to you guys that something's wrong? Yeah, I mean, and I coached for three years. I was in... A Division One AA coach for three years, so and I actually coach offense. So I actually like when I look at the game, I kind of sort of have to just enjoy the game and not dissect it. But I definitely see certain things that the average football fan or fanatic wouldn't see for sure. So I'm looking at both sides. I'm going, you know, if it's a if they're in a zone blitz. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, that was a great call, especially if they were going to run this route or, uh, you know, run a, a zone replay or a run pass option. That was it. I'm dissecting the whole thing like, oh, I like that chess match. Mm-hmm. That was a good, you know what I mean? So that's how I look at the game. Listen, Tate was being nice. So we're going to go back to Oregon because I'm still upset. Again, I'm sorry, but at a certain point, when you see a team that is running the same play and it happens four times, and I think three of the times go for a touchdown, like, it's a scheme thing, right? Like, defensive coordinator, you got to get them lined up right. But after the second time, as a player, like, 
brother, turn the ball inside, get leverage, turn like you're gonna have to just make a play. Like uh, it was just we know how do we know? So listen, I can't I mean I can, but I can't be a critic to a team that isn't really now I love Ohio State. I always I'll root for Ohio State and Toledo, but of course I'm a doctor at heart. I would argue that every time they ran that play, they ran a different coverage. But regardless of the coverage, you got to recognize formation. Nope, nope. So it wasn't always. Don't do it. No, no, no. It wasn't always. No, dog, no. You know, like I know, we always take the back, but it might not have necessarily been our fault. But at the end of the day, as a defense, your job is to prevent the other team from scoring. So I'll leave it at that. 100%. One hundred percent. That's the that's the real only job. Coverage, your job. Regardless of anything, it's a mano a mano. I'm gonna do my job. Type of this, this is what we do. Yeah, I want to talk about rest for a second. You all watch the Texas Alabama game. <laughs> I mean, some stuff went down in that game. I know Alabama got flagged fifteen times. But there's a safety. I don't know what that play was. Was that if you have the face mask, you got some holding calls, and it goes both ways. And it ain't the ref's fault, but that's kind of my point. Like it's man on man. But when the refs get involved and you're playing and you can't sit there and go talk to your teammates about what just happened about the bad call, like, right, it's the next play. Like, let's keep going. Like, yeah, you've seen it on all sides coaching, watching, playing. Take that. I'll yeah, start I mean, off I, by saying, like, at least from my end, I've, we've always been taught, like, don't let it come down to the rest. Like, do your job. That's it. Z, right? That's it. Like, it's it's it that simple. If a team, listen, and, and it sounds crazy, it sounds, in today's society, it sounds barbaric. Listen, if you're better than that person, you step on their throat and you, you don't let them move. You know, and sports is a game of confidence. So once they feel like they're confident enough and they can play with you, you turn 63 to 7 blowout into a 14 to 17 victory mm. or a 14 to 17 loss. Mm. But again, any team can beat anybody on any given day. Yeah. And I look at Appalachian State too. I know we're jumping games, but I think week one, would have almost went into overtime. I mean, Appalachian State probably should have won. It was very it's close to winning week one, right? Is Satterfield still the coach? I'm not too sure who's the coach over there. That was one of our coaches my first year. He's an awesome, offensive-minded guy. So anytime... Makes that, sense. Makes sense. Sean Clark's the coach right now. Okay. He built that, though. Yeah, that's something that he built. Sat built that. Sat... He did that at Toledo when we were my freshman year. And then he moved to Florida International mm-hmm. the next year, my sophomore year, I believe. Or not my sophomore year, because I was a junior and a senior. So, you know, during that time frame, my first year at Toledo, he was there. And then my second year at Toledo, I played there three years. I had the red shirt. So my second year there, but my first year playing, I was a red shirt sophomore or red shirt junior. He's an offensive mastermind, and I'm, it's a, hey, can I borrow this template? Can I borrow that template lead? So. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's in Louisville right now. He's at Louisville. But you're right. Well, and you all were talking about the transfer portal earlier, and you have 
I mean, it's changing it a little bit. You know, Alabama gets these guys, right? They're running back. They got receivers, you know, like last year that Jamison Williams, like, man, they got one of Ohio State's best receivers. And he was probably their best player, at least on offense. I mean, he saved them. But you get into some of these other games where all of a sudden, I mean, even Arkansas State last week, I mean, they have guys on that team that played power one football. I mean, that receiver caught every ball that was thrown his way. Listen, people were upset about that score and they said, Arkansas State is too close. It's too close. I'm like, yo, this ain't the Arkansas State that your mama knew. This is different. No, none of these schools play. The only problem is that the NIL deal may hurt the smaller schools because they no longer have, I mean, not the NIL, but the portal Mm -hmm. may hurt the smaller schools because like for me, right, I probably would not have went to the University of Toledo if the portal was in. I could go anywhere. Right. I had a couple, back then it was worth an ACC. I had a couple ACC options. I actually had one SEC option. I would have been to another Power Five school. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of that, man, let those young men make a living in an attempt to be able to create generational wealth for their family. Because a lot of times, we are first generation everything. I know I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even with the, the transfer portal, looking at Arkansas State and even, I'm not too sure how many people Marshall had, but like, I'm sure Marshall had some dudes that probably played Power Five, Big Time. You look at, what was it, Sunbelt Conference with Appalachian State, yeah. Georgia Southern, yeah. all them. Like, those are a lot of D1, like Big Time D1 transfers going to Marshall them. always, Marshall got Strong a lot of transfers back in the yeah. day. Marshall yeah. always got transfers back in the day. I don't know what they do now, but yeah, they definitely yeah, yeah. always got a lot of transfers for sure. I'm sure you didn't think Marshall was going to beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Like, that's not supposed to happen. No. What's the anatomy of that happening? I mean, Deontay, you've been on both sides of it. You're at Iowa. You're playing the Toledo. Toledo's showing up at the horseshoe. And all of a sudden, right, this stuff, they're playing with them. Like, that was a close game the whole game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. looking at that game and even Tay's experience and me looking at the Toledo roster while you were there. We had transfers. We had big-time JUCO guys. To be quite frank, that year we played them. They were definitely on a, it was a, I don't know if you want to say rebuilding or just weren't a great team that year. I can't remember who the head coach was, but it wasn't the normal Ohio State team. And could have, should have, would have, to be quite frank. It was like, we should have beat them. We made a couple mistakes on our end. Um, on Chris Fields sure. came through with the punt return touchdown. Yeah, yeah. We, Plus yeah, the most we, important we made, play of the game. Took him out. We made a couple of mistakes on our end. You know, the we ended up losing the game, but yeah. Yeah, with that transfer portal, players going to different schools, it, it kind of even yeah. playing field depending on who it is. Yeah, it definitely even the field. Yeah, it'll be fun, man. It's college football is fun to watch. Now. It is. So Toledo's the favorite in the MAC. I mean, so this isn't just some average team showing up. I know Ohio State's maybe a favorite to win it all, but Ohio State's coming off, they got the big win. They got the game next, the week after versus Wisconsin. Like, what's Toledo thinking right now? I mean, like, they're going to show up there. Toledo will show up, and there's going to be one player I know that's going to ball out because he did the same thing versus Notre Dame. And that's our little guy, my our little homie, Devin Maddox. Like, he went to St. Ed's up in Toledo. He's the, he's like, the, the Lions. He's going to show up. He's going to do his thing. That's what I do know. Toledo's not scared. I know he's not. So Toledo's definitely going to give Ohio State everything. I will say that. So now Ohio State will still pull it off. But Mm, I'll be realistic and say 
we're going to have to play a very solid game. To be quite honest with you, those most of these games are not necessarily won at the skill positions, but they're won up front. So that's always how it's been for the most part. Because to be honest with you, when I was at Toledo and playing some of the teams in the MAC, a lot of teams in the MAC, they have great skill guys. But, you know, it's the big guys, the intangibles that Mm -hmm. those guys are, you know, different, Mm -hmm. different pieces. Yeah. I have to agree with that because I think uh, Dion actually did an interview and somebody asked him, like, hey, are you guys ready to play Alabama? He was like, no, no, I need another year. Can't win up front. I need, can't win up front. I need bigger guys. Give me about a year to get the guys in here. Then, yeah, we'll go and take on Alabama. I'm not about to play yeah. right now just for a check because we can't do it up front. Skill-wise, we're good, but it's the interior, those big guys. That's the problem. That's a good point you brought up for sure. Yeah, it's easy going up there. So you guys have a solid foundation this year. So Yeah. It's 31 and a half points. That's a lot of points, though, to be given one of the top MAC programs. I don't know about that. That's a lot. I said just because it's... We'll definitely players, cover this. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I don't see Ohio... I mean, I love Ohio State, but I don't see Toledo just getting blown out and them just kind of rolling over and just letting it happen. Coach Candle, he was one of my guys, too. Mm-hmm. One of the coaches there. He'll have them prepared. They definitely won't lay down. We will definitely figure out a way to make it happen, especially on offense. We've always had, since the, for the last, well, since I've been there, we've had high power off, one of the most high power offenses in the country. I don't think that is going down the drain. Our quarterback, we have a good young, well, he's not young, but we had a good mobile quarterback. He can, we'll do a threat quarterback. He can run and he can throw. And we got some playmakers on the outside where we feel like we can compete for sure. Like I said, the yeah. biggest issue, the biggest issue will be, you know, those five-star grown men that Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia are able to get on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a 300-pound, you got a 330-pound nose tackle who can run a 4-6. Yep. And I mean, it's, what can you do with that guy? Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Just pray he gets out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll send his backup man, who's a four-star who runs yeah. a four-seven. It just is what it is, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the big guys in the depth. We might have mm-hmm. our first two or three guys might be good, but they got ten. It adds up over the game. Duh. That's going to make a difference. Yeah. But I, I would not be For surprised sure. if Toledo doesn't we go We would definitely cover the spread. We're going to come out fighting. Let me ask this question. Are Ohio State fans getting antsy and nervous going into the fourth quarter in this game? Listen, no, nobody. What, is, what they say? What is We're it? the underdog here. Nah, but you got to think, man. It's any given Sunday or any given Saturday. Like, like a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter kind of game? Listen, Alabama was supposed to smoke Texas. So, and I'm not saying that it's going to be a super close game, but I'm saying like, if it ends up being a little bit more competitive than what people think, then... 31 points as far. 31 is a lot. My opinion. That's, That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of points for an offense who can mm-hmm. put up some numbers. Is that, and then if they take that 31 point favorite and they're using that as like locker room material, getting hyped, like good luck. And only it's one interception and one fumble kills 31 points. Change the game. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have to play. We're going to have to. 
manage the game up front and make sure we win special teams in a turnover battle. We'll have ourselves in a good position to win the game. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Deontay. You play in Ohio, Iowa. Ohio State's got this quarterback from California. He can throw the ball. He's been it. But I want to know, like, what do you see with this guy? I mean, like everything I just said, but you come from a school of toughness. It sounds like, man, like, was he got it? Does he got that third and four and he's got to go get that first down? Does he have that in him? We're talking to... CJ Stroud. We're talking Stroud. Yeah. You know what? I'll be honest with you. He's growing on me. And I think he was a young guy last year, right? Yeah, redshirt freshman. So realistically, he hadn't played any games. Expectation can kill, right? Expectation is a killer of all like actual results. So our expectations of his performance was that of he should be playing like a Heisman candidate his first. Yeah, yeah. every game, every throw. <laughs> and every game, every throw. And that's not realistic, right? I mean, he's got to have a learning curve. He's going to see, seeing, being that he's going to play in the Big Ten, which is one of the toughest, if not the toughest conference. Mm-hmm. He's going to play against multiple defenses. He's going to see things that he necessarily has to see. He's got to get adjusted to everything. I think this year, I think this year will be a coming out party. That's just my opinion. Is he tough enough? Does he have it? I think he has it, you know, but he's just got to show it. He's made some big plays for it. You know, he's made some big plays for it, so. And I say us, as in like Ohio State. I got State, it. Yeah, you're from Ohio. Yeah. When they don't <laughs> have to play to me, though. We understand. Hey, listen. We're good. No, I did not need to make that clear. I'm clearly rooting for the Rockets. Okay. We got it. I saw the text. You had the emoji in there and everything, man. <laughs> you know, it's all good. <laughs> but yeah, you know, if it's not a Toledo game, I like the young man. Yeah. He's got the height. He's got some intangibles. Well, there's something to be said on those third down plays he had against Notre Dame. And I know a lot of Ohio State fans want to see him like a Bryce Young take off and run with it. But I think like you watch a Bryce Young, he's not keeping his eyes down the field like a Stroud does. And he's going to make those plays for you that if you run it, you don't ever have the opportunity to hit that. And those throws he made when he was getting knocked, we talked about this last week, when he got knocked out of bounds and he had Mayan Williams on the sideline. I mean, that was, I don't know who can make that throw in college football. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're two different type of quarterbacks. We're talking about two different types of quarterbacks. Yep. But they all want to compare them, right? The media all wants to put them on the same plane and say, what's one? Yeah. That's what they have to do. And we can't sit up here and act like Bryce Young has not had some struggles because he's had struggles as well, you know? So it's all about what have you done for me lately? So lately, Bryce Young looks awesome. Mm -hmm. So does, you know? Stride looks good too. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, man, Nate, what else you got? Man, I know earlier in the day we talked about maybe sharing some stories here and there. So I don't know if Tay had any stories that he'd want to share about Iowa or even St. Ed's time spent down here at Ohio State, whatever it may be. I know for me, I would say this is going back to high school, right? Let you go first. Listen, this is just funny just because I think it, it encompasses the Big Ten, the MAC, everybody. But I was yeah. in high school, our junior year, we uh, went up against Glenville in the regional finals. Yeah. And on this field, I mean, St. Ed's was basically like a 31-point underdog, basically. We were supposed to get blown out. But keep in mind, we had some top recruits on our team, but Glenville, I think, had 21 seniors or something like that that ended up signing D1. Yeah. 
They signed a big class. Yeah, so they had people going. Their 06 class was pretty solid. They were going to Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Indiana, Marshall. Uh, They had All-Americans. They had had All-Americans. Army All-Americans, everything. They literally had everybody. We didn't stand a chance. But we ended up playing great defense, shutting them down to seven points. I don't know how that happened, especially with their offense that they had. And then uh, we ended up winning seven. I do. <laughs> I mean, we played tough ball, right? We ended up winning 17 to 7. Our running back actually ended up getting hurt. And this is also a story that me and Tay have, but that's a whole nother story. But yeah, our running back ended up getting hurt. So I got to go. I'm playing defense. Then all of a sudden, like, yo, Nate, you need to go play running back. And me, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But I also understand our offense. I know I'm about to get the ball like 75 times. Like, yo, I'm like, I'm like, yo. Oh, I see where you're going with this. I don't like it, but go ahead. And, uh, so I ended up playing, you know, going to playing running back, ended up having, I don't know, 14 carries or 15 carries. I think like 120 yards, a touchdown or two. And yeah. yo, like, it was just a great experience. We ended up going in there. One of my favorite games. Also the game where Ray Small literally tracked me down like 25 yards behind me, but that's neither here or there. Man, listen, I was tired. My legs was tired. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. no excuse. 25 yards was what it was. Now, if Ray Small was not there, I'm pretty sure I could at least got to the five. Maybe even the goal. Maybe even the one. But either way, you know, that's one of my favorite stories that I share with Tay. Football related. Now, there's other stories that we probably should not share on this podcast, but who knows? That's where I am with the stories with Tay. I do not recall whatever other stories you were talking about. I we each are right. Let me see. So there's one story. Let me see. What funny story do I have? Oh, Lord. That we can use. I'll leave my in-game huddle speeches. I'll leave those out. Let me see. The only thing I have, I can't say that either. <laughs> the only thing I have is our junior year, we went undefeated. But we played what was it, the regionals or the game before that? The game before states. That's right. That Thanksgiving week. Yeah. So, like, our coach at the time, lovely guy, Coach Gibbons, he was, like, ultimate motivator. Now, granted, you know, in Ohio, Thanksgiving time, it gets pretty cold. And it was cold. It was very cold. Uh, as a matter of fact, during that game, I believe it was, like, the ice bowl. Or it was yeah, the last the game as a rubber bowl. Mm-hmm. The field was frozen. But during that week, I don't know why he wanted – he did these like these tribal. Uh, <laughs> he did like these tribal seances or dances or wherever he got this from. But whatever this specific reason, I said it was freedom. He called us in after we make the plays, and he's like disappeared. But he got everybody like lined up. We're in a you know post practice huddle, just talking, and this old guy walks outside in his. Tidy whities with ketchup spread all over him, and he's screaming his chant. And he like he thinks everybody's with him, right? So we're like, yeah, but we're looking because his one of his testicles was hanging out the bottom of his shorts, <laughs> and he had ketchup and a sledgehammer. So imagine the testicle with the sledgehammer. Yeah. And it's hanging out, and he's swinging this, and he's swinging this touchdown, and he's yelling this chant. But the whole time, 
Weeks and that, you know, weeks in that line of like, yo, that boy gonna freeze off. <laughs> That's all I got, man. Oh, my God. All the rest of me. Oh, uh, gotta keep it private. I'm dead. No, huh? High school, I mean, I mean, during that time in high school, man, high school, Ohio football was great. It man, our time was great there, man. That's been my brother since oh four, man. So, yeah, man. You know, we got a bond that can never be broken. We even at uh, well, St. as we went through some things. Yeah. You know, it was what it was, but it was fun. Oh, I also at graduation. Oh, oh man, I wasn't really a fan of our principal, so I tell Nate he was known to wear a toupee. True story. We had lost, and I don't know what happened, but. He was the guy we blamed for firing our head coach. So he was just going to get it. So I tell Nate, when we're going through graduation, we're going upstairs and saying, hey, I'm going to slap his ass and I'm going to rub his True story. So I walk up there and we're like, my name is Mario Oliver, so we're kind of sort of right behind each other in line. And actually, we were like maybe a couple behind, but not too far away. So I told Nate. If you watch the Wayne Brothers, when Marley used to, you know, smack the butt and rub the head, like, what's up, Pops? That's awesome, man. I'm about to do it. So Nate's watching. They call my name. I give my little presidential wave. I walk up to him. What was his name? Mr. Boyer. Uh-huh. I give Mr. Boyer a handshake, pull him in tight for the hug, grip him here, smack the cheek, rub that toupee. For oh, sure. no. It's just it's <laughs> That is hilarious. That's wild, man. And also, speaking of St. Ed's, you know this man right here, as you can tell by his beard, this man refused to shave. We had to shave at St. Ed's, never shaved. And, you know, I think it was my senior year. No, senior or junior year. Can't remember what it was. The one day I just decided not to shave. And again, this is everything that was happening. Coach already got fired. All this stuff. We just upset. And one of the deans looked at me and said, Nate, you need to go shave. (laughs) <laughs> so I said, y'all, I'm not shaving. You know, I'm going to the barber on Friday, so I'll make sure he cuts it up. I'm not putting a razor in my face. I'm not doing it. And yeah. he said, well, I'm going to have to write you a detention. So I looked him straight in his eye. This is how disrespectful I was, how upset I was, still about the coach. I looked him straight in his eye and said, well, you're just going to be wasting paper because I'm not going to detention. Uh, that moment, it was over with. And then I think Frank ended up, our dude, Frank ended up getting in trouble too, basically for shaving. Uh, and, you know, we're down in the coach's office. I'm talking about transferring for like two months. Just saw when graduated from St. Ed's and he going off. Then Mr. Boyer walks in the room and he said something and then he walked out. And then our dude Frank. And then, oh, yeah, and our AD's in there too, Mr. Mahako. So it's me, Frank, and Mr. Mahako. And uh, Mr. Boyer says something. And as he's leaving to close the door, Frank says something like, well, you're not a man. So he screams it out loud, right? Oh, yeah. And Mr. Sure. Boyer just kicks the door open. Like, Who just said that? And then all three of us just sat there and just looked in the air like, man, I don't know. Who said <laughs> anything? Like, even the athletic director hey. just sat there and didn't say a thing. Like, yo. Like, hey, funny story. I'm the only one with facial hair at the time. Yeah. You got he nothing. He had a whole beard. Yeah. I'm like, yo, you going to yell at me. This man's got a whole beard right now. <laughs> I didn't have a beard, but I definitely had a goatee. And I didn't. <laughs> yeah, regardless, man. I was like, man, this is wild. It was just, hey, it was just our time. It was what it was. 
But we got plenty of those stories, hey. that's for sure. But hey, but hey, when it's your time, it's your time. It was my time. Oh, then when I got home, this is how it was so bad. I got home, I was sitting there. And at the time, this is when, you know, as young people, you really don't know what the coaches, especially the coaches that are recruiting you knows. So I'm at home. I told my dad what happened. And he was like, I mean, yeah, we'll take you to the barber. You probably shouldn't have said you'll be wasting paper if you write this detention, but you know, whatever. You probably shouldn't have said that. So I get a call from Coach Tressel. Hey, Nate, what's going on, Coach? How you doing? I'm doing well. How was school today? Oh, man. That was cool. He's like, oh, okay. I heard you may have had some issues. I'm over there like, issues? What do you mean? Hey, uh, something about your beard not being shaven, the X, Y, Z. And in my mind, I'm like, man, Jesus, totally snitched on me. They just called all the way down to Columbus to get me in trouble for my beard. I'm like, come on, man. It's not even a beard. But yeah, man, so for those recruits, if you're listening to this, like, coaches here, they know everything. They know everything. Regardless of what you do, Man. they will find out. Yeah. Especially on social media. Oh, yeah. Stay away. Social media is something completely different, but... So be smart. Yeah, don't be dumb. Man, that's some wisdom. I know we went off on a tangent right there, but... No, that's it. But you brought it home with Coach Trust calling you up, man. Yeah, man. Called me up. It was over with, man. That's wild. Deontay, man, thank you so much for everything. Showing up, spending your time with us, sharing these stories. I mean, it... This is the kind of stuff that we all need to hear mm-hmm. and understand. Oh, it was a pleasure, man. man. It was a pleasure. And I hope we get to stay in touch, man. Nate's, he's been excited to have you on. So this was good. Oh, yeah. sure, man. I plan on coming down for the game. So mm. there it is. That's it. We'll have to link up. And then the plan for the, at least this podcast is for us to get something going. What we're doing like a live podcast for the Ohio State Michigan game over at Town Hall. So reach out to Bobby. Try to get that set up. So, plan on being down here in Columbus for that game. Whenever you need me, I'll be there. There it is. Man, good guys. Go Rockets. (laughs) Go Bucks. (laughs) In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts. Everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a -a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network.